Well, here we are after promising to never do one on Zoom again. We're back Zooming. Yep. You... It's uh, indicative of the times when nobody nobody really knows what to do anymore, you know? <laughs> I, I suspected that we would not have seen the last of our Zooming days. Um, I So, I, you know, had to drive over to Hazard this morning and I didn't have my speaker to listen to podcasts and so i had to listen to an entire hank williams like box set you know <laughs> that's it's not the worst fight in the world so yeah so uh, i always like borrowing your car when i spent two years carless <laughs> i don't have the you always had good selection you always had uh prince you had uh yeah, you had no ox core, but you had Prince Dirty Mind, Controversy, and then you had Rick Ross Mastermind. I got I got to keep those three in rotation. Well, now I've got a Hank Williams box set. I've got several box sets. I've also got a Bo Diddley box set, which is pretty funny because there's um there's at least four or five tracks on this like Bo Diddley Chess Records box set I have where like the entire track is just Bo Diddley and his guitar player roasting each other, which is a pretty funny concept because, like back in the day, <laughs> the first podcast, yeah, like back in the day, huh? you recorded on reel to reel tape, and you know before you went in and recorded, you would have to like segment out the amount of tape you could spare for a recording session, and it's pretty funny to <laughs> to think about like those guys just going in there and being like. Um, you know, just fucking around for two hours, just making yo mama jokes, which is what they are. They really are. It's just like, you know, yo mama's so fat she can't see the back of the back of her head. It's you know something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So early, early mama humor. Totally. Yeah. Or or you know, roasting yeah. a man's older la old lady. You know. Yeah. Yeah, this is probably the genesis of uh, marry an ugly. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, find an ugly woman and make her your wife. Right. That probably that probably started out as somebody making a a, a reference to somebody's wife being ugly. I'd say. And so. they're like, you know, we can make a hit out of this. Actually, <laughs> songwriting back in the day was pretty tight. Well, I mean. I thought, well, I was thinking of that, actually, because I was riding over there, and there's that Hank Williams song, Ramblin' Man, and mm -hmm. uh, the first couple lines, um, I can settle down and be doing just fine till I hear an old train rolling down the line. Then I hurry straight home and pack, and if I didn't go, I believe I'd blow my stack. The, what happened to the Ramblin' Man? Does Ramblin' Man not around anymore? There is, you don't see many drifters anymore. It's true. Especially in my childhood, you'd see all kinds of drifters all the time. I grew up in the housing projects, which was like ground zero for drifters. You don't really see the drifter much anymore. He used to be a celebrated archetype in the American song canon, but now he's kind of, he's kind of, what has he been replaced by, you know? I, I don't know. I think what it is is, um,. There's all these think pieces about, like, not ghosting somebody. When, I guess that's yeah. our modern equivalent of 
ghosting or ra- uh, being a rambling man is ghosting, I guess. When 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 ghosting sort of became frowned upon, the rambler as an archetype in the American songbook just kind of dissipated. Yes. <laughs> you get canceled for for writing songs about rambling men. For being a rambling I, man. I do like the I like the image though of a guy going about his day, having just you know settled down. He's doing just fine. He's. He's stable. He's in a stable relationship, but then he hears a train coming down the down the line, and he's like, "I gotta get he home." Gets the itch. Bags, eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he gets the itch for the life again. <laughs> it is kind of a funny concept because I mean, I lived in Vegas for a little while, which like there was this fantasy in my head that if I ever torpedoed my life, I could just start all over in Vegas, and somehow I would like, you know, carve out a living or whatever, whatever. But honestly, like, the romantic notions of American yesteryear really don't exist like that anymore. Like, your mm-hmm. creditors will still find you. It doesn't matter if you move to fucking Madagascar. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. These jackals will hunt you down. They'll find you wherever you lay your head. So, like, not only has... I mean, we talk a lot about capitalism poisoning everything, but it has poisoned our fanciful notions about what are you going to do if, like, your life just falls apart and you just need to run away and start over. Bro, you're working in a goddamn Kmart in fucking uh, Fairborn, Ohio. That's what you're doing. You're not getting on a train and, you know, being a scamp. Um, well, you know, now, I mean, it, it could change. I we need know. to bring it back, man. Rambler's we rights. We need to bring it back. Yeah, I'm all for Rambler's, Rambler's rights. rights. <laughs> you know another thing that ha- another thing that happened to songwriting. I'd be interested to know what you think about this. It's sort of been MFA sized in some ways, where it's uh-huh. like we've substituted just stories about a guy or a gal doing something for like really flowery abstract language. And then it's like those guys that write the flowery abstract language are like, man, those guys are like, man, those guys are genius. And don't get me wrong, there's people that write good flowery abstract music but like i just kind of miss a story about a just a guy that goes to arizona or something you know what i mean (laughs) just a guy standing on a corner in winslow arizona yeah um no i mean it's kind of like that band the war on drugs like you listen to it you're like ah this is pretty good i mean the music's pretty good but you listen to the lyrics and it's just complete it's like there's a man who walks around and he shakes his hand and he falls on the ground. You're like, what the fuck? This, this isn't a song. Nobody, right? it's just nobody like, knows how he feels. <laughs> <laughs> just right. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I mean, like, you still gotta write songs. You know, like lyrics still have to be good. Like, I don't. I mean, maybe I'm old school though. Maybe I'm maybe I'm an old timey guy. I just like. Uh, I just like some lyrics that speak to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cowboy music's coming back, so we might get our wish before, you know. Feels like it anyway. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Uh, Letcher County. Um, let's say you're rambling to Letcher County. And um, you get caught. You get picked up for, I don't know. What, what is that charge? Is it like... Scampery. Sc- <laughs> yeah, it's a misdemeanor charge. 
I want we need to we need, along with like the old songs and like the old professions. We need to bring back the old crimes. I agree. I agree. Um, scampering being one of them. Yeah, let's say you get picked up on that um, and thrown into the poke here in Whitesburg. Uh, good. There's a good chance that you will be cutting weeds at the historic Hob Gibson Cemetery at Little Cowan. Uh, in an orange jumpsuit. Oh, I <laughs> forgot about, dude. That's a, that's a, as dark an image. We got to put that up as the as the cover, but that's as dark an image as I've seen in a long time. Yeah, so it reminds me of. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There's like a slight delay. It, it reminds me of that scene in Halloween where they break out of the asylum and like all the inmates are just like kind of walking around. It's. I know I'm not trying to dehumanize those people or act like they're like weird or anything. Like I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying just the haunting effect of that shot is kind of what this this cover of the Mountain Eagle this week looks like. Yeah, I mean, um, I could paint it for you. What it is is it's a it's a wide angle shot of a bare hillside, trees in the background. The ground is lush green. There are four men in uh, jail um, jumpsuits, like orange jumpsuits, uh, with weed eaters (laughs) cutting grass at the um, historic Hob Gibson Cemetery at Little Cowan. This is on the front page of the Mountain Eagle, our local newspaper. I loved it because it was heavy on the symbolism, on just multiple layers, because I'll read you the caption. Letcher County Jail inmates cut the weeds at the historic Hop Gibson, Hop Gibson Cemetery at Little Cowan. The inmates are out performing public service again after an absence of more than a year because of the pandemic. It is hoped that they can fight the litter problem that is cropping back up in the county. So it's like... <laughs> you, can, let me ask you a question. Can you imagine being the most reviled people in your community for no good reason? You know what I mean? Because you got into a little trouble at some point and you didn't have money. Like, you know, uh-huh. you're doing the same thing everybody in the rich communities are doing, but you got you got caught and you didn't have the funds to, you know, get yourself out of it or whatever. Uh-huh. Can you imagine being both hated and also the care of the community is also on your shoulders, too? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, we, let's hope they can let's hope they can uh, beautify this and rectify this problem. Meanwhile, everybody talks about them like they're fucking less than human i well I, I liked it because it was it comes at you from several different angles all right so first you've got you you can peel this back imagine this is some sort of like a theory class this is lacan or some shit i don't know um is this a sam adams joint by the way <laughs> it is it is a sam adams joint yeah um okay yeah first you've got the uh you know forced gang labor basically Granted, I imagine that these guys, if you're in a jail all day, you're probably looking for any fucking reason to get out of the jail. So, um, yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. But the just the idea, though, that we use inmates... I hate to use that word. I, I, I believe that word is now uh, de class. It's not... You, you know, detainees would probably be a more appropriate word. Um, people locked up I, I mean just the fact that we use them to do the, you know the basic labor the basic duties of upkeep of our county so there, there, that's the first thing that jumps out at you <clears throat> then there's the wide angle shot of a cemetery 
So forced gang labor in a cemetery. Then there is the, like, message of hope. Like, oh, you know, nature is healing. The, the, uh, the, the prisoners the are back out. <laughs> it's, it's springtime. You know what that means. Yeah. And then, and then I like how it comes with an entire article about how a big problem right now is littering across the county is one thing the virus did not slow. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, like we've got a poverty rate, like, you know, 25% of people live below their poverty line. Living <laughs> in the most abject poverty you'll find in this country, but... Right, yeah. but it's the, it's the litter. It's, you gotta, you know... Whitesburg is a town, this, this must be said, Whitesburg is a town, for those that don't know, that is now kind of governed by reactionaries, but for the longest time was governed by the worst kind of liberals. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> like, the type of pe- people that think that, like, you shouldn't smoke cigarettes unless you make $200,000 a year. <laughs> that you shouldn't get tattoos unless you're, like, wealthy. That, like, you know what I mean? That, like, just normal shit people do is just, like, strictly the conceit of the ruling class. You know, and if they like want mean, their situation to improve, then they should just start thinking about being more smart with their money. Right. You. What you're saying is they shouldn't get tattoos if they make under two hundred thousand dollars a year. Like poor, basically well, poor not, people. Go ahead. No, just poor people shouldn't just just should right. have you know have no fun. No, they can't have cell phones. You know that that's that's one of the right. sort of prevailing. Uh, sort of things that these people that were this ruling class I speak of that they do is like oh they shouldn't they shouldn't have uh, iPhones or smartphones they should for some reason they should just have like you know either a landline at their house or like some like flip phone from 1999 because they're poor like they shouldn't like have a phone that can like you know uh, help them find work or whatever it is you know Right. They should have to they should have to suffer for some reason, for just no good reason. Yeah. <clears throat> um the best way to describe this <laughs> like you know how it goes on to an, the next page and the header on the next page is litter problem near being out of hand. It's just like how the fucking litter problem it's just like I live here, it's not piling up, it's fine. It's the same as it's always fucking been. It's just like it's a classic example, and I when I sent it to you yesterday, I sent it to you with the caption "Liberalism is healing." It's a classic example yeah. of how post-pandemic liberalism is healing. All the things they care post-pandemic and post-Trump, really. I mean, it's just like the the panic is over. Li- liberalism is healing. Everybody, things are getting back to they the had way to, they should be. Yeah, they had to correct course for a minute, right? Uh you know they had to like they had to adjust their beliefs to win the election. You know what I mean? Right. They don't. They don't really ultimately. Uh, you know what's funny? It's like the whole, the whole long con of getting people on the left or whoever to vote for Biden was kids in cages, and then just this past week, you see Kamala Harris telling Guatemalans, "Don't come." Just like matter of factly, don't right. come. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just right. it's just such a great display of political dexterity. She was just like. Just don't come. That was the the reason you won is because of the humanity of people coming from Central and South America. That right. was like 
That was like the only thing on the ballot that you had over Donald Trump, supposedly. You know? And now it's like just yep. like okay, now we can just be who we are. You know what I mean? We're we're in power. And they're gonna vote for us again because who are they gonna run? You know. Right. <laughs> yep. Um But you're right, it's bad. Well yeah, it's there you blind. go, everybody. Yeah, liberalism is healing, the inmates are back out cutting the grass. Your litter problem will now be back under control, so don't worry. Um, so then let's go Let's go down the road. So let, we're taking a little tour of, White, of Letcher County. Why not? We're rambling. We're rambling men taking a tour of Letcher County. Um, so uh, let's go down the road to Jenkins. <clears throat> That's right. Um, yeah, we'll go down the road to Jenkins uh, where <laughs> I don't know if you've been <laughs> I don't know if you have kept up with this story. But about a week ago or two, the Jenkins police had one of their police cruisers get stolen from them um, by, like... <laughs> which, I mean, it's like... I'll, I'll read you this story, because the fallout from it has been kind of funny. Jenkins officials voice concerns over cruiser theft. In the wake of the recent theft of a city police, police cruiser at the hands of a prisoner... Several city officials expressed concern and embarrassment about the incident at the June meeting of the Jenkins City Council. Stephen Tackett had been arrested by Jenkins officers and placed in the cruiser, but while his truck was being searched, he managed to get free. After kicking the window out, he stole the cruiser. (laughs) Hell yeah, Steve. (laughs) A hand grenade was found along with several guns in Tackett's truck. The grenade was removed by the Kentucky State Police. The cruiser was later found, but Tackett remains free. This dude, I mean, like, this dude's on the run, and I think it's pretty awesome. Like, just been making a complete ass out of the cops. Steve Tackett, the Teflon Don. <laughs> Councilman Rick Dameron made a motion that GPS units be placed in all police vehicles. And this is the interesting part. I think this is a fascinating, like, look into small-town policing. But Mayor Todd Dupree said the expense of outfitting the police cars could create problems in a time of budget strain. So if you'll recall, I think that was last week we were talking about the city of Pound had to fire. I think it was on the Patreon two weeks ago. The city of Pound had to fire their, their entire police force because they were out of money. They're completely broke. Um, but, but this is the interesting part. Um, they want to uh, outfit every police car with GPS units so that they can track them when their police car gets stolen again. That, to me, is the funniest part. It's like, yeah, our cars are going to get stolen again, so let's <laughs> just put GPS units in them so we can track them. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He suggested that the city look at the cost of the GPS before deciding. Councilman Chuck Anderson added that very often there is only one officer available to answer calls. Anderson also said that officers sometimes wear T-shirts to work that indicate they're police officers rather than actually wearing a uniform and said it makes them look unprofessional. Like many small... That's hard to do these days. Everybody everybody dresses like a cop these days. (laughs) That's true. Any any limp dick with a thin blue line T-shirt can walk into Jenkins PD and just get it and just like you know say you're a cop. That is true. That's very true. Um, like many small towns in Jenkins, the turnover rate among the police is high. A regular complaint from Cash Strap City Councils is that as soon as officers are trained at the police academy in Richmond, larger cities hire them at a higher rate of pay than smaller towns can afford. Um. 
Then it goes on to talk about some of the speeding issues in Jenkins and how they want to pay the cops more. Basically, like, what, what is, we're in a fascinating dynamic in small-town America where defund the police is actually kind of happening in some, in some places. I'm not going to say universally because across the board. Through, through even, no external force, though. Exactly. No, I mean, it is entirely a result of, well, here it's a result of the decline the of... The circumstance. Yeah, the decline of the tax base, um, you know, uh, an ability to raise new revenue streams. Um, again, that is not the case. I would say it's not the case for most small towns. Most small towns are still probably doing fine in the police area, but some of them, yeah. yeah. Like, they're they're running up against this contradiction where... They have to make a choice. Like, do we want to keep eight police officers on staff in a town of 800 people? <laughs> like, or do we just want to, like, let them go? So, I mean, like, we don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> do we want to have one cop for every 16th person? Or, <laughs> you know, do we want to, like, you know, have good roads and hospitals right. and whatever else? Right. Um, anyways, yeah, uh, shout out to um, Stephen Tackett, though. For exposing the contradictions this week. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a new segment. It's right. Just like kinda like Donkey of the Day, but like in reverse. <laughs> you know, like who who's exposing the contradictions of the situation we find ourselves in? Steve Tackett's our That's first right. winner. Um Yeah, I mean for sure. Um yeah, so that's I don't know, that's just an interesting Interesting uh, goings on in small town America. Um, so uh, let's zoom out. Then I want to go to the um, the national scene um, and the economy, the econ- the economy at large. <laughs> um, this is in Bloomberg opinion. Um, why teenagers? Why teenage workers are leading the economic recovery? <laughs> I saw this, dude. This is insane. The job market recovery is looking better for 2023 and 2024, even while this year's forecasts need to be reined in a bit. The best evidence for the optimistic outlook is coming from a surprising place. Teenagers. The last two jobs reports poured cold water on the hope that we could add a million jobs or more for a few months in a row, which means a full employment recovery to pre-pandemic levels is going to take longer than we thought. But booming employment trends among teenagers suggest that over the next few years, strong demand for workers should flow through into higher levels of labor force participation than we saw in the late 2010s. What makes teenage employment useful to study right now is that teenagers are less affected by the factors holding back labor supply than any other demographic. If they lived at home with their parents, they weren't eligible for economic impact payments. If they were full-time students, they'd be ineligible for unemployment insurance, making enhanced benefits benefits a non-factor. They're unlikely to be parents squeezed out of the labor force by closed schools or a lack of child care. They're obviously not older workers who may have accelerated retirement plans during the pandemic, and teens were less likely to get seriously ill from COVID-19. Um, <laughs> Man, you, 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 it's funny, you had a good tweet about this about like uh you know i think what was it the one you shared that woman was like my my boy's 14 years old he goes to work every day while all his friends like go to the swimming pool and be kids and all you other lazy people out there 
just stay at home and whatever. So we've we've always had child labor. I had my first job Same. when I was thirteen. I was four. I was summer <laughs> going into eighth grade, so I guess I would have been thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's always been a thing. Yeah, I don't understand why this is news. Also, also, I wonder if that person at Bloomberg is. I yeah. guess this was in Bloomberg. I was like, I wonder if they just like stop for a second to like realize. Oh, actually, the most vulnerable people with little control over their own lives are the people that like are the engine of right. this economy. Like that's not new either. Basically, what they're saying is that demographic is just younger than it ever right. has been. I'm. I mean. Ultimately, what this is linking up with is how uh, a month ago, and I, I don't know, I haven't seen as many signs and memes and stuff as I was a month ago, but a month ago, it was a very big deal that, you know, workers did not want to work. Remember all these signs? It's the new pandemic. We're short-staffed. <laughs> yeah, the short, the great short-staffed pandemic of, uh, yeah, March, or May and April and May. Yeah, so what they're doing to... Uh, aid that is basically trying to attack teenagers into the workforce. Um, in May, for the first time in history, the jobless rate for teenagers was lower than the rate for workers aged 20 to 24. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you a question. Are, are, are teenagers class traders? <laughs> They're scabs. Are they scabbing? <laughs> They're scabs. Teenagers are scabbing. It's it making us funny. all look bad. I mean, this is a bit, obviously. We're doing a bit. But it is funny because everybody always says about Gen Z, like, oh, the kids are all right. The kids are going to save us. And the kids are like, I'm getting paid, man. I'm getting paid, baby. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to earn some money. I don't even know what kids do. They go to the movies. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, typically the unemployment rate for teenagers is at least five. I mean, the... That fucking phrase, the unemployment rate for teenagers. I mean, like, there there should be an age, like, before which you cannot work. In the same way that, like, you know, you can't... You should be able to vote by, like, 12, and you can't work until you're, like... <laughs> 27. <laughs> yeah, right. Those right, are the right. rules. <laughs> age of consent, 40. You can't have sex until you're 40. <laughs> yeah, you can't have sex until you're 40. <laughs> This 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 is a great society. Uh, this is abortions legal up to two years. That's a stance yes. we've all we've heard. That, that means two after years they're after born. they're born. Yes. Um. Let's see. The surge in teen employment isn't statistical smoke and mirrors. It's showing up in other measures of labor force participation. While levels for prime age and older workers remain far below their pre-pandemic benchmark, they've jumped for teenagers. Uh, the unemployment to population ratio for teenagers hit a 13-year high in May. Blah 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 blah. I mean, you kind of get the idea, but I mean, do you really need something to kind of spell it out for you even more bluntly than that? Just how bleak everything is. I mean, yeah, it's an empire in decline, gang. I'm still, I'm still like laughing at the concept of like just having all these sort of age limits. Just like you're the, you're like you know the grand potentate of society. And you just put arbitrary age limits on everything, and just how much that would fuck up your <laughs> society. If nobody could have sex till they're forty. You know, you go to prison immediately if you're caught having sex before forty. If you're caught working before twenty-seven, like you'd have like the, you'd have the world's lowest GDP. 
<laughs> the highest incarceration rate. Everyone's like, who the fuck came up with these rules? <laughs> like, camera cuts yeah. to us. Actual parents... <laughs> Actual parents are just like doming their kids at their second birthday party because that's the last time they can actually legally murder them. It's like this society is completely dysfunctional, and yet somehow is outpacing the United States right. from 2019 to 2021 right. in growth. People are jealous. People want in on that Trillbillies uh, nation. You can't. Uh, you can't fuck with us. We've got it. We've got to figure it out. <laughs> a society where you can't, you don't have to work, but in that free time, don't think you're going to be having sex either. <laughs> Find something else to do. Start start woodworking. I guess. Um. Okay. Uh. So I don't know. Let's let's go to someone. Let's go to some people that are working. Um, this was sent to me by our dear friend, Sam Wallman. Shout out. Um, uh, we love Sam. He, he makes a lot of good art for us. Um, Sam's uh, day man. one. Love Sam yeah, Wallman. Yeah. Um, Sam sent me this. Thought it would be a great entry into our uh, getting the goods segment. Um, this is from Australia. I don't really know much about Australia, but... Um, this <laughs> my knowledge of Australia begins and ends at Sam Walman. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Um, but love the Aussies. Yeah, I mean, while so you know, I don't. Again, I don't really know how things are shaping up over there post-pandemic wise or what. But I did like this story. This is from the Brisbane Times. Brisbane, um, sp- Brisbane, 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 Brisbane Times. Uh, spike in workers bullying. Blackmailing bosses while working from home. <laughs> um, <laughs> the pandemic-induced trend of working from home has led to an increase in employees bullying their superiors and blackmailing their bosses for pay raises. Um, a, law- a Queensland workplace lawyer says. Uh, Jonathan Mamaril, a doctor of Brisbane law firm NB Lawyers, who... NB? Non-binary lawyers, maybe? Um who has been involved in industrial relations cases within local and national companies, said the issue happens across the board. He said he had been involved in an array of recent cases involving disputes stemming from working from home. It's been an issue for the past few years, but where it started gaining momentum is COVID. There have been a few examples lately. In these cases, this behavior is not just happening once, it is happening constantly. We had a middle manager deliberately leaving their manager out of invites to team or zoom meetings on the basis they had forgotten <laughs> however oh, yeah. they were actually undermining their manager's authority and questioning their competency because the person that person had applied for the same managerial position and missed out oh very interesting this is some inner office politics going on um another example was a secretary who had power over organizing zoom lunches but was leaving out newer senior employees because they couldn't be bothered connecting with them <laughs> That one's good. The first one's a little bit reactionary, but that one actually is actually good. <laughs> Can't be bothered to connect. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, Mr. Mamaril said he had also dealt with several cases involving blackmail. An employee was given access to financial documents and realized other staff were getting paid more than they were, so they questioned their superiors about it. 
They then threatened to release what other staff were being paid unless they were given an immediate pay raise. This was a prime example of a staff member trying to use information they should not normally have access to to further their position or salary. This this is, in essence, just a crude version of uh, union contract negotiations. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, in a similar situation, an employee had password dongles to access company IT systems. Dongles? Is that an American word, or is that just an Australian? I don't know. Um, I've heard dongles as, like, something you plug into something. Right, right, I right. don't know. Yeah, the Aussies have a lot of good isms and... <laughs> slang anyways uh i mean you you get the gist it's kind of interesting because um this law firm is basically uh having to respond to these managers who are all of a sudden waking up to a lot of their business being conducted over computer which creates opportunity you know all sorts of other opportunities for um x you know breaches in access to information uh, being able to exclude certain certain people from certain either social events or work meetings uh, it, it is a, a weird example of how in some ways digital tools can be used uh, for organizing efforts but the real funny issue here though is just that there is this law firm and, and these people just kind of completely aghast that workers would even be doing this right now of all times you know yeah i don't they're yeah that's i guess you could say they're getting the goods that's when i don't know that's when you guys step on their necks though this is exactly the time mm-hmm. shout out to australia we need more australian content on this program <laughs> we really do honestly uh, think about it i mean hillbill hillbillies and aussies have a lot in common including the only people in the world that still say reckon also that uh you know have their fair share of cryptids and everything in the environment that will kill them around them we we, we share a lot of dna to it both the dregs of the british right. isles both have a, a really shout out sam a shout really out. fucked up settler colonial past but have um kind of sublimated it through some other you know yes. oppressed identity <laughs> <laughs> just press that out a little bit with our own oppression right, uh, right no you're exactly right but yeah shout out uh shout out uh sam shout out my buddy joanna shout out savage garden uh <laughs> yeah australia rules um so yeah like i said we we started out in letcher county we're rambling men we started out in letcher county we went to jenkins we went to uh, every small town McDonald's on an interstate between here and Springfield, um, California. Is that even a town? <laughs> Maybe I'm in Bakersfield. Um, it is now. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe it's Bakersfield. Uh, and then we went to Australia. Um, so what we're going to do now in this rambling tour of the world is we're going to go to every American embassy abroad. And to the White House. We're going to go to the White House, too. Um, I want to talk about this story that was in the New York Times. <laughs> is this a Howard Dean bit? Is this what you're, you're, just what you're queuing us up for? Yeah, yeah. Um, I am, yeah. We're, we're, we're taking the tour, baby. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to do this story that was in the New Yorker that was going around. 
Um, okay. We kind of have talked about it on a previous episode, but we... I don't remember if we really dug into it or not, into the details. And so on this one, I kind of want to dig into the details. This is, in the New Yorker, are U.S. officials under silent attack? The Havana Syndrome first affected spies and diplomats in Cuba. Now it has spread to the White House. Okay. <laughs> okay um, can, I, can I tell you my first impressions of this? Yeah. I didn't finish this story, and I, I want to go through it. But I just I don't want to discount. Actually, let's just get into it. All right. Okay. Um. So it it opens up by talking about this guy. He's a senior. He was a senior official in the Trump administration. He had been on his way across the White House grounds one day. Um in a part of the White House grounds called the Ellipse, between the White House and the Washington Monument. Um, as he walked, he began to hear a ringing in his ears. His body went numb, and he had trouble controlling the movement of his legs and his fingers. Trying to speak to a passerby, he had difficulty forming words. It came on very suddenly, he <laughs> recalled later, while describing the experience to a colleague. In a matter of about seven minutes, I went from feeling completely fine to thinking, oh, something's not right, to being very, very worried, and actually thinking I was going to die. He fell to the ground before he reached his car and realized that he was in no condition to drive. Instead, he made his way to Constitution Avenue, where he hoped to hail a taxi. He managed to open the Lyft app on his phone and ordered a driver, who took him to the hospital. When he arrived at the emergency room, the official thought, I'm probably not walking out of here. Um, so, you know, they took, they ran some tests on him. They were unable to determine what he was on or what was going on. They, they suspected he was on drugs. They, they wound up diagnosing him with a massive migraine with aura. So, um, and so I'm going to skip ahead here. Um, people who have investigated this have discovered that what began with several dozen spies and diplomats in Havana now encompasses more than 130 possible cases from Colombia to Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan to Austria, in addition to the United States and other countries. At least four of the cases involved Trump White House officials, two of whom say they had episodes on the Ellipse, that place I mentioned earlier. The CIA accounts for... Have they, have, have, are, are we discounting the possibility that these guys' uh, plaques have broken off and they're having strokes, like mini strokes or something like that? I mean, these guys live off nothing but McDonald's. I mean, it's just... Um, I, I kind of want to, yeah, I want to get into the speculation of what this is. Let's let's kind of pathologize this a little bit. It, it's it's interesting. Um, in late May 2019, a large group of White House officials checked into an intercontinental hotel in London, where they prepared for President Donald Trump's state visit. Before dawn, the the funny thing, the funniest thing about this story, by the way, is that a lot of the people it details are just Trump administration officials. I mean, like. If you were okay, I'll go ahead and say this: If you work in any part of the government that deals with anything the empire does, you are a bad person. Even at the State Department, I don't right, give a fuck. Right. Like the really one, some of the few like actual government positions that are probably morally okay are like working for prosecuting securities fraud or something. You know, like that might be it. <laughs> you, you know what I? You know what I think? So you know what I think's hilarious when like. 
you know what I think's hilarious? Like when people that like, uh, like our peer group, even people on the left are like, yeah, so and so's cool. They work at the State Department, but like that's just their job. Like you still got to have a job. And then they try to sort of make a false equivalence, to, like that is somehow yeah. tantamount to like working like at Target because right. you're working for a big corporation. It's all bad, man. Right. Like, no, motherfucker. Like, uh, you don't have to carry a four-year degree to work at Target. And like, you know what I mean? Nobody stuck a fucking gun to your head and told you to apply to work at the goddamn State Department. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, the government comes to every small Fuck town. Out of here. Yeah, and finds a 14-year-old working at a Burger King and says... Good job, young man. You're now going to go work for the State Department. You will be pressed into indentured servitude. You haven't you haven't uh, had any gay sex in the last two years. That they ask you that on the polygraph. <laughs> um, yeah. So like every person this story details is just a bad person. Which yeah, you're right. Like if you're working in the government as a bureaucrat, you had to get there by choices you made. It's not like some, you're right, like working at Target or some, even like a coal mine or something. It is very much like you had to go work in those <laughs> You places. didn't slip on a banana peel and get a job at the <laughs> Pentagon. All right. Um, yes, you very much had to make choices to work there. So every person this story is detailing is just a bad person, which is funny, which makes this story fun. It's a fun story for us to read, but also a fun mystery. If this is true crime, we're solving a mystery, and all the people, all the victims are the worst people you can imagine. So, it's a special kind of Trillbilly's true crime. Let's get started. In late May 2019, a large group of White House officials checked into an intercontinental hotel in London, where they prepared for President Donald Trump's state visit. Before dawn on the day of Trump's arrival, Sandra Adams, a mid-level White House staffer, collected a sheaf of documents that had arrived overnight for her team and had a quick breakfast in the hotel dining room. When she returned to her room, overlooking Green Park, she pulled open the curtains and settled into a chair to read. Suddenly, a ringing sound, annoying at first, then distinctly painful, seemed to envelop her. When she left the room, her ears continued ringing. Later in the trip, she invited a more junior White House staff member, Adrian Banks, to hang out with her in the hotel room before the two went to dinner. The names Sandra Adams and Adrian Banks are pseudonyms. As they chatted on the couch, Adams again heard the sound and felt an acute pressure in her head, as did Banks. They rushed out of the room and into the hallway, where the sound and the pressure subsided. But for the rest of the trip, both officials suffered migraines. When the delegation returned to Washington, Adams described the incident to a special White House office responsible for tracking security threats. She was told that what had happened to Banks and her was classified, which meant that they were not to tell anyone, including their doctors, about their experience in London. They visited doctors at the White House medical unit who thought that Adams and Banks were suffering from ordinary headaches and sinus infections that had potentially been brought on by stress. The doctors suggested that they take ibuprofen and decongestants and get some rest. As the weeks passed, Adams' ears and lymph nodes became more swollen. Her migraines grew worse, and she felt as if she had strep throat. Banks continued to have headaches, too. Their symptoms persisted despite repeated attempts to private physicians and urgent care clinics. Adams told a colleague, no one seems to take it seriously. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're going to, it's the age-old problem of government officials being discriminated in the medical, in the medical world. You know, this is a big problem. 
Yeah, it's a horrible <laughs> scourge. Believe government officials. <laughs> um, so, uh, a few months after the incident in London, the doctors checked Banks and Adams' vision, balance, hearing, and cognitive skills in a series of tests known as the Havana Protocol. Adams listed the symptoms that had persisted, migraines, swollen lymph nodes, and sore throat. A doctor told her, referring to the Havana victims, Whatever you heard, those are not the same symptoms as the rest of the cohort. Adams left with the distinct impression that the doctor wanted her to believe that she had imagined the experience in London. So, yeah, so, no, like, none of these doctors are... (laughs) That's the funny part of this story. I mean, like, they're just, like... Yeah, I mean, they're probably sexist doctors, you know, who just like, you know, just like... Just women being hysterical. (laughs) But it has the added effect of, like, these are bad people, too. So, like... Yeah, also, these are people that that manufacture uh, narratives about why the way the world is and and get us into wars and all kinds of shit. Right, like... so why, why trust them when they're relaying their <laughs> right. symptoms? One of them was probably responsible for just, like, smoking Qasem Soleimani or something. You know what I mean? Like, just absolute monsters. <laughs> yeah. After the initial incidents in Havana, the FBI sent a team of agents to the city to try to figure out what might be causing the illnesses. They found no dispositive evidence of any attacks, although by the time they arrived, the theoretical perpetrators would have had ample opportunity to conceal evidence of wrongdoing. In addition, profilers with the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit conducted assessments of the victims. The unit presented its findings to State Department officials, including John Sullivan, a deputy secretary and head of a task force that the department had set up to look into the Havana Syndrome. The profiler's assessment was that the victims were suffering from a mass psychogenic illness, a condition in which a group of people, often thinking that they have been exposed to something dangerous, begin to feel sick at the same time. That's that's what I was going to bring up at the first. To me, this whole thing read a little like uh, the dancing hysteria in New England, like I don't know, around the time of like the witch trials yeah. or some shit. No, I, I mean, <laughs> oh, oh, how could I forget <laughs> yeah, the great, the great, the great dance hysteria of seventeen fifty eight? I mean, there were. I feel like there were. You have to designate the year because there were multiple dancing hysterias across Europe and New England throughout time. Like some mold or fungus right, would get in true. the water supply, and people would lose their mind for fucking. Or, yeah, yeah or yeah. you know, it's a mass hysteria. Like the thing I think of is I don't know if you remember this story. It was in the New York Times Magazine a few years ago about the teenage girls about the laughing. Do what? The laughing yeah, the, the girls in Leroy, New York, who all had, there was like 18 of them, and they had twitches, and they would laugh hysterically. Twitch. Right. Yeah. It, I remember It that. turned out that, um, you know, as, you know, just as a brief overview of that, like, as the, the media attention on that died down, those girls mostly went back to normal. Like, one of them did have Tourette's. Um, but overall, it was just a mass hysteria, psychogenic illness thing. And it was just, <laughs> I mean, it, I don't know. It was kind of driven by the media. Um, I remember those girls coming on TV, though, and having like the, like, looking like they had Tourette's, essentially. As yeah. a Tourette sufferer myself, I, I, I was never that, you know, 
probably that animated, but yeah. Right. Um, but so yeah, so you've got doctors saying, "Oh, there's nothing here." You've got the FBI saying, "There's nothing here." You guys are crazy. Um, so and then as an added thing here, the CIA is also uh, trying to basically say that there's nothing to see here. To the extent that they are, they're saying that um, you know, they can't coordinate anything. I mean, the picture that is painted here. It's a very fascinating picture. Um, is you've got multiple governmental agencies all competing with one another, but all keeping their secrets close to their chest and not sharing any information at all. So all of them are individually denying that this is some sort of, like, weapons attack. Um, But they also can't coordinate anything to find out just because of the bureaucratic nature of our government and the way it's competitive at the sort of interagency level. Um, the only people that aren't skeptical of this are like John Bolton, like John Bolton in his <laughs> like side right hand man. <laughs> there is apparently though I will I will say this though there is some there is a little bit of evidence that something might actually be going on here. Um, specialists at the University of Pennsylvania Center for Brain Injury and Repair have been able to use MRIs to study the brains of forty Havana syndrome patients. They found no signs of physical impact to the victim's skulls. It was as if the victims had a concussion without a concussion, one specialist told me. But the team found signs consistent with damage to the patient's brains. The volume of white matter was smaller than in a similar group of healthy adults, which indicated that something structural in the brain had been affected. Um, so, uh, and then it kind of like goes into what you know, John Bolton and his right-hand guy, this guy named, like, Charles Kruperman or something, they they think that, like, Russia is behind this. Um, there is this really great quote. Deputy National Security Advisor Matthew Pottinger, an expert on China, um, said that when he first got wind of the cases, he thought that North Korea might be the culprit. But a government expert told him, this is Russia's M.O. So it's just like... And then they go on to say that it's because, like, Russia has, like, a known history in uh, investigating or experimenting with pulsed microwave technologies. So, dude, I mean... These I, people are... S- dude, North Korea is a hermit kingdom with, like, a fucking <laughs> clearly unwell guy that has great taste in pants, I gotta say, <laughs> at the helm. Cuba is, like... You know, like I, I want to tell you, like... In 40 years, Cubans are going to be the victims of anti-Semitism. Because right. These right. motherfuckers, these motherfuckers ascribe these magical qualities. Like, these Cubans are always... These these sneaky little people are trying to, like, always get one up on, on people. That's the thing. Plus, plus, it's communist, so that doesn't help the case against right. them. Well, I mean, it, it actually acknowledges in this article that whatever this is, if it is pulse microwave technology... If that is what this indeed is, then there are no signs that the U.S. government has the same technology. Because right here it says the U.S. national security agencies have a problem, a program underway to develop effective countermeasures. They are currently looking into what it might take to build a device that can cause brain injury similar to those which have been observed in Havana syndrome patients. As part of that effort, scientists at a military laboratory are planning on exposing primates to pulsed microwave radiation and then studying their brains. Dude, Dude, if that happens, I swear to God, we have to march on the fucking monkey cages. That's it. 
Absolutely. No moss. Dude, <laughs> we're going to let, there's going to be like another Cold War, and we're all going to be walking around like we just had a fucking stroke because, like, this got out of hand and everybody's brain just got microwaved, <laughs> even more so than they already are. I mean, like, well, okay, let's take this, like, piece by piece. Like, okay, you're going to tell me that the U.S. government does not have a weapon that can cause similar brain injuries, but Russia and even more, you know, extra... North Korea, North Korea does. Korea. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and people will believe any goddamn thing. It's, it's incredible. I mean, um, and then, like, another part of this that I think is interesting, um, you know... It goes back and talks about the two women who we heard from earlier who were, like, in the hotel room on the couch, uh, you know, uh, who heard the ringing in their ears and had swollen swollen lymph nodes. One of them, um, in November 2019... It's called playing in a punk band, but it's tinnitus again. (laughs) Deal with it. Right. (laughs) In November 2019, one of them, Adams, who lives in Virginia, she was walking her dog with a friend when she noticed that an SUV was parked near her house and that a man on the other side of the street seemed to be following her. As she stood across from him, she felt an intense pain in her head, which made her double over. She also heard a sharp, high-pitched ringing noise, which was completely different from the sound she heard in London. Adams' friend heard it, too, and felt the pressure in her head, though not as acutely. Adams reported the incident to White House security officials. This time, they were very concerned. Robert O'Brien, the new national security advisor. In this story, there's been like four national security advisors just because like Trump can't couldn't hold on to any of them. <laughs> <laughs> he just he swapped them out every week. Um, he thought that high-level officials like him, cabinet members, were relatively safe, but that other government employees, special assistants, schedulers, diplomats, who had access to valuable information by the nature of their jobs, were the main targets of whoever or whatever was causing the syndrome. Um in 2022, Adrian Banks visited the doctors at University of Pennsylvania. They found suspected scar tissue and damage to the ear, possibly caused by significant sinus and ear infections. More recently, Banks has been diagnosed as having hearing loss and told a colleague, I have ringing in my ear and pressure changes. I have migraines frequently. I get dizzy. I'm still struggling. Um, You know, I will say this. I do have this like weird inner ear thing, and I didn't have it before I went to Havana in 2016. <laughs> so maybe they thought I was working for the State Department too. Maybe they did. Um, I mean, honestly, though, I don't know how you would um, disaggregate all. I mean, because like what I'm thinking, reading this, if you're a government employee, you spend like 18 hours of your day on a phone. In front of a screen, even more than we do, and we're you know obviously terminally online. Like they have to be right. on devices at all times, on the phone, talking into the phone. Like who's to say some of this isn't in some way like they're not just like you know spending way too much time looking at screens, and then before you know it, they've developed a mass hysteria, psychogenic illness where they think like government agents from russia are following them around and it's it's just like what it really is is a like sublimated paranoia about the fact that they're living in an empire that makes no sense anymore can't even justify its own existence (laughs) like (laughs) bro it's like it's like basically what it is is 16 russia russia gators with many ears disease (laughs) 
It's like what what this all amounts to for me. I really do love the idea that like the little you know like Havana, the underdog that's been picked on by the Empire, has figured out this like sneaky way to give like these bad people at the State Department brain disease. Right. I like that narrative. Oh yeah, I don't buy it. I think I think much more likely is either a mass hysteria or b. Uh, the CIA is making these people cannon fodder so they can test out these type of weapons themselves. <laughs> but uh, but but using it also to play that ninth dimensional chess where they blame it on the Cubans because like it's nineteen it's the nineteen sixties again or something. That's true. They are being completely mum about it, dude. That is hilarious, dude. That is interesting. Like if that's the case, if that is truly the case, then that means that like these two employees that we've you know heard and the one at the very beginning who like collapsed on the white house lawn and was like couldn't speak and was like oh i need a lift like (laughs) if if that's the case that means and they are some of the worst people in the world they are basically imagine the nightmare of their lives they've got all these weird symptoms going on nobody believes them government bureaucracy completely stonewalls them and and just gaslights them and it's just like (laughs) We don't know what you're talking about. They see people on their street corners pointing mysterious things at them. Like, dude, that's pretty fucking incredible. There it is. Funny. It's like the Coen Brothers should make a movie with this stuff. Like these yeah. strange men in like men in black suits just like pointing at them on the street. And then they're just going, <laughs> just collapsing. That was, a, that was a weird detail. Like the lady who collapsed... And her friend said she could also feel feel pressure in her head, but not as acutely. Like, how the fuck? I mean, I'm no expert at, like, pulsed microwave radiation. But, like, if two people are standing next to each other, is there really a way to just exclusively focus on one person and not the... I don't know, dude. It just just seems to me like mass hysteria. There's some holes in in this accounting of things, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the NSC official who fell ill in November 2020 on the White House grounds continues to suffer on occasion from excruciating migraines and cognitive problems, including difficulty with his memory. What is so incredibly frustrating and demoralizing about the experience is the lack of definitiveness, he told a colleague. At the end of the day, I can't prove this happened to me, but the uncertainty, (laughs) (laughs) this is great, but the uncertainty, the derailment, the ongoing effects personally to my career, those are real. (laughs) The gaslighting. (laughs) (laughs) They certainly are real, my man. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. It's, you may tell, you know what would be a hilarious revelation in 30 years? All the, um. Uh, uh, Lyme disease long haulers actually just had Havana syndrome. <laughs> like the Cubans were actually doing a decades-long program, and everybody blamed it on chronic Lyme disease. But actually, it was like everybody's brains were being microwaved. And one symptom of that was the mass hysteria of believing you had something that you know. I mean, one honestly, a more believable story would be that the Cubans were just like incubating a massive like tick colony and just breeding yeah. Lyme disease through them and releasing it into like embassies. <laughs> like that would be more believable than a microwave gun, I think. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, man, grow up. This is like fucking cartoon shit. I think you're right, honestly. I think that is the best I dude, I think you're right. I think the best probably explanation for this is something that some technology the CIA devised. They're <laughs> 
they're using like hapless um, government employees who just lower level bureaucrats, right, and, and so forth, yeah, right, as they're sort of guinea pigs, and it's it's engendering a mass hysteria. I mean, I I think it's hilarious because, I mean, it's just another example of, uh, I mean, the government basically. I mean, it's just an example of just the complete nihilism of our government, you know? I mean, just yeah. like they just don't give a fuck about anybody. Even if you're on their side, they're like, no, we don't give a fuck about you. What do you – like, we'll, you, we'll use you. I mean, it's just like them using people to test, you know, MK Ultra stuff, you know, hallucinogenic drugs and other things. They didn't give a fuck who you yeah, were. Yeah, it's like there, there, there is precedence for shit like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's why – I mean, I, I'm not crazy by thinking that's a possibility, am I? Yeah. Well – um, I mean, we're safe because, I mean, <laughs> we didn't make the choices that got us. <laughs> we didn't slip on a banana, banana peel and wind up working for the Commerce Department. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, um, well, so I thought that was a, a, a nice uh, fitting end uh, to our rambling trip around the world. Um there is a final destination that you can go visit. Uh, you could pay. This has been a free trip, but if you'd like to uh, pay a little bit extra, uh, upgrade. Yeah, for a for a premium trip for first class, um, go to the Trillbillies Patreon. That is patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Trillbilly Workers Party. Like I said, for a little bit of an upgrade, you'll get some premium content. Uh, You'll get to sit in one of those first-class seats where they allow you to nap before the plane takes off. And yeah, we give you little shooters and, yeah. you know, some acceptable cuisine. That's right. Um, so go check... Our drive for 5000 too. Uh, it's like that Def Leppard song, uh, or Paula Abdul <laughs> song. Two steps forward and three steps back. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get 5,000 Patreons. Um, or- we get close, and then it's like, <laughs> we get like... 10 more or right. 20 more whatever dump off like god um but we are moving towards that goal so if you'd like to help us um please join in and um tell others to do the same we're pretty close i think we're within like 200 so i think you can yeah, make that tell happen. a friend tell a friend let's get there we got good things planned right um all right well so thanks for listening this week everybody uh we will have a another trip Uh, for you next time and until then i guess keep rambling but don't get canceled for it keep on rambling in the free world that's right stay out of havana if you work for the state department (laughs) that's right all right well we'll see you next time